What is going on, ladies and gentlemen, Black and Gold faithful? This is the Voices of the Black and Gold. I'm Nick Chastain, your host, and here with Eric and Celso. As usual, if you're new here, hit that like, subscribe, notification so you don't miss anything. We bring you all LAFC content that we can. Guys, man, Saturdays. I have now called them MLS Saturdays. They are full of a lot of fun games. I've watched more MLS than I ever have before. Um, and it's just like, it's literally an overload. You, you, you know, you have you a game, you have another one on 360 where you can try to watch as many as you can. And when something is happening good, you move over. It's been exciting these Saturdays, right? Eric. They have been, they have been, you know, um, I, I can bring a little perspective on it. Obviously, having all the content at our fingertips is a beautiful thing. It's a wonderful thing. But, you know, I will say as, as a season ticket holder who attends just about every LAFC home game there is, there is a little bit of a conflict when we show up to tailgate and we can't really watch anything else. And uh, so we kind of, you know, they're kind of all there. There's like seven or eight games. You know, I'd love to a game on Sunday, although we got LEFC 2 to watch. If we can start watching the, the reserve sides, that's going to be great. But, you know, the Monday night football we had the first week was awesome. A Wednesday night games, they're, they're nice when they happen. So I agree with you. It's great to have everything to watch. But for those who attend the games, we do end up missing out on a, on a bunch. And getting the full match replays is a little bit tricky sometimes. But right. that's my only uh, complaints. Yeah, so so. What about all these games, man? Are you on overload? No, no. I I don't think there should be an overload. Yes, they are at the same time, but unfortunately, that was not something I did before. I watch other teams play in full games for the entire season. So the compact nature of what they've been offering for a guy like me with like limited time. I mean, I know you guys have limited time too. It's actually been really exciting. You get five minutes in. I actually went to Eric's house afterwards. You know, did a little bit of a session, and then suddenly we were watching all these cool games, talking about it, doing some prepping for this show. So, you know, I really like what they're doing with synthesizing the content. There's absolutely no way we're going to do every single game anyways every week. And look, the concurrency of the games, to me, is exciting and feels more in line with other American sports like the NFL and also some other leagues like the European leagues where they play everyone at the same time. And you come out of that match week, you know, with a win, a draw, or a loss, and we know what's going on in the standings, nothing else. So, great job, man. I, I've been five weeks. Can you believe it? It's been a month. Five weeks. And this week was a little bit different. There was also national games going, which USA is playing right now. While we're doing this, we do have it over on the side just sort of to keep up on what's happening with it. If anything exciting, we'll let you guys know. But, um, you know, that, that sort of threw a curveball into this week, right? Like, uh, playing fantasy, you had to worry about who was out for your team. And then, you know, because there was a lot of people that were missing throughout MLS. So hopefully that's something that MLS will correct down the road, especially with all the eyes starting to be on MLS, the names that are starting to come here. Hopefully we work out something that MLS isn't playing during international breaks. It's something that I hope. I don't know where you guys stand on it. So, so where do you stand on that? I'm sorry, would you repeat the question a little bit? I got a little distracted. I apologize for that. Um, uh, Just sit about, a little bit. Yeah, no, about where um, having MLS and international play at the, on the, at the same time. Oh, yes, yeah, great question. I apologize for that. Yeah, really, it, I, I'm very divided on that because I think the international games really have a different flavor to them, and, and it is the dream of most players to go play in there, and you have to give this continuity. All the youths were playing as well. It's not just 
the seniors that were playing, all the use up to the 115s, the 15s were playing this week. So it's FIFA doing what they do, and you have to respect FIFA. They are the major body of football and soccer in the world. And I, you really see where American sports clash with FIFA right there because we've made our calendar without thinking about them and vice versa. So it, there was a lot of complaints from some coaches that we were playing this week. Some of the games were missing some of their stars, but it, 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 the, the season is so long that you just got to keep going and you got to understand that death now becomes more important and there's going to be those weeks when you don't have it. Yeah, I mean, I'm not like I said, Eric. I'm not. I'm not a big fan of it. But you're wearing your U.S. jersey. You know, I see you're representing. Does it? Are you a fan of them both playing at the same time, though? Well, I I accept it for what it is. I think there's so much football to be played year round that it's just impossible to have our league stop. You know, the other because also we're on an opposite schedule from everybody else because we can't really throw home games to you know a good. 25% of our league in between certain months of the year when most of the rest of the world is playing, you know, like we can't go through December, January, February games in places like Montreal, Toronto, Minneapolis, you know, Denver, Chicago, like it, it, it's unrealistic. So the way I kind of look at it now, which is kind of with how I see the MLS philosophy, which is parody. And if we're going to look at international players, international players are going to tend to be the stars on teams, you know, and these are players that are going to go to some teams and other teams are going to have trouble attracting players at this level. So it's, it's one of those things that kind of penalizes the teams that are in the better markets like LAFC, you know, the bigger clubs that have more international guys are going to disappear. So now as part of the parity model, we have to start playing reserves on games, whereas teams like Colorado that doesn't have the international guys, they're going to come at teams with a full-strength roster who are missing two to five people out. So I think it, it does a way to balance the league out more with the smaller teams and bigger teams. So that's kind of with me how I've come to terms and I accept it, but Personally, with LAFC, if no LAFC player ever went international, that's just less risk of injury they can have to chase trophies, and I care about that more than I care about anything else. That's fair. Um, uh, Interesting. Get back concept. to. Get, get I back could, to. I MLS. could debate on that, but let's keep going. Sorry, Nick. <laughs> no, you're good. So, getting back to MLS, right? Uh, with this week having so many out, um, we still ended up having four teams that have been undefeated, and that's going to mm -hmm. be LAFC, Cincinnati, Minnesota, and St. Louis. Now, this is pretty cool because LAFC, this is the fourth time in the six seasons that LAFC has um, uh, been undefeated in the mm -hmm. six seasons. This is the fourth time, and um, so that that's pretty good. However, S St. Louis is doing something absolutely fantastic. They have played five games and have won five games. Uh, it's the first time that an expansion club or a inaugural season team has done this in MLS. Um, let's talk a little bit about St. Louis. I know this is about LAFC, but let's just talk about what they are doing. I thought it was incredible when LAFC, what LAFC did, how we won the teams that we played and so on. Um, St. Louis has done something pretty cool, and everybody is really high on them, and I just want to get where you guys are sitting at on, on St. Louis. Eric, we'll start with you. Yeah, you know, they, they joined a very small group of elite clubs that have won not only their all-time opener, they've also won their home opener, you know, and if you look at every team in MLS, there's – 
I, I think you can count on one hand the number of teams that have been able to win both of those. Not only that, to jump out to a five-game, not only just like undefeated, but they're all five are wins. You know, and some of those wins are emphatic. You know, there's, of course, going to be a lot of talk. It's early season. People haven't gelled, which also works against St. Louis. Um, there, you know, people talk about the strength of their opponents, but you can only play who's in front of you. And if you looked at their beginning of the year schedule based on last season, it looked a lot tougher than it does so far. You know, we could look at a team like Austin that was Western Conference runner-up. You know, like, you'd think they'd have a strong team going into it, but they've kind of fallen a little flat, you know. And some of the giveaways, they've been gifted a few of them on three games right now. So, is... Can you duplicate that through the whole season? Probably not. You know, it's 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 like winning, you know, winning a game on turnovers. Like at some point you run into teams that just aren't going to be so frivolous with the ball. But they've taken their chances. And we've talked about, you know, uh, between the three of us, how they're kind of built off of like a Bundesliga 2 setup. And so you have very, players that are very tactically advanced. And how how that comes in and breaking MLS. It's a it's a fun story. We're gonna see where it goes from here because there's a long season ahead, as we all know. So so very, very long season ahead, and I I urge everyone to hold your horses to think that this team's going to replicate the success that some of the other franchises had, aka LAFC in its first year. It's too early to tell. Now. If you look at last year, after five weeks, the teams on top basically stayed on top until the end of the season. So you can make a prediction that who's on top and doing well now will likely be on the race or at least in a playoff spot. So I believe San Luis will be there. Will they have success in the playoffs? I believe they will fail then because that's when the inexperience will count. But look, who's coming next? Minnesota, which he was said is undefeated, is the next game at St. Louis, Minnesota's finding some weird mojo without Ray Noso. And then they go to Seattle, which has been one of the best teams in the league. Kudos to LAFC for playing over there and not taking any shit from the Sounders. And then you have Cincinnati, another team they said is undefeated. Colorado, which is, again, whatever you want to make of that game, at Colorado, which is still dealing with the elements. It's still an, uh, it's an impact, right? And then Portland. So after five games here, Portland is the only one that I really could be a throwaway game here for them and a win. But after five games here, they could be looking at one and four uh, and suddenly they're five, one and four. So let's all take a deep breath. I think the next section of games here will really tell what this team is built towards. And if they are something like eight and one and one coming into the bank, uh, BMO, you know, in, on May 31st, what a matchup. And I actually really wouldn't mind if they were that hot of a team. But the likelihood of that happening to me, it's not there. There will more than likely be a fourth or five seed seed, and fail in the playoffs since they won't have the home field advantage. That's, to me, the San Luis story. And then a major drop-off in the second year, as we usually see with sophomore teams. You know, one of the things interesting with with St. Louis and their roster build is they, they started out with a DP goalkeeper in, in, in Roman Berkey, you know, and a lot of, a lot of teams don't, don't put that much talent. I mean, if you look at our entire league, there's, you can't look at a starting goalkeeper in the league with as much 
premium experience as he has playing on Dortmund for so long, playing Champions League. I mean, right. you know, the, the the guy could have easily stayed in Europe at a top division instead of coming to MLS, but he made the move here. And seeing a team build from that point in the back, you know, we saw Nashville kind of start building around the center backs and the spine, and we saw that it led to a very, very consistent, you know, if you have that solid defense. And Berkey, again, he, he had some amazing saves in the first half to keep it 0-0 that – you know, if, if they would have went in and we would have looked at St. Louis coming into the second half down a goal, it could have played out completely different, you know. But it's a lot of interesting things. Joao Klaus has, I think, completely taken this league by storm. And that's a guy, you know, if, if they are without him, it's a completely different team and who knows. But they're on a wing and a prayer right now. They're living the charmed life and life must be good to be a St. Louis fan today. Yeah, it must be real good. And apologize for my shitty um, audio for the first 11 minutes, guys. I got that fixed now. Uh, Klaus is uh, uh, quote unquote, it's either your mother cries or my mother cries. And I don't like to see my mother cry. I thought that was <laughs> fucking fire, dude. Like, that was Did great. he say that? Yeah, he said that, bro. Oh. Like, yeah, that was pretty good. I, I was like, okay, I, I'm Some not a St. Louis fan. But, That's a very Brazilian <laughs> This is my thing. This, this is my stand on St. Louis. I've watched every single one of the games. The first three were gifts. They gave them those gifts. They gave those games away. It was more yeah. Porta passes back into the basically their own goal, and then he just touches it and gets it in there. Yeah, he touched it. He got it in. He got the point for or, you know the 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 goal. But I'm just like I don't know. The last two games they have played well. They have. They've played well, and they won those games, and they deserve it. Um, so, Absolutely. yeah, I, I don't know where I stand on it. We'll see. This is the standings right now for everybody um, in the Eastern Conference. You're going to have them sitting above us. However, we are one game back. Uh, they've all played five. We've played four. And then you got that for New England uh, sitting up top over there in the uh, – in the. Uh, Western the East, man. We've done some damage against some some teams up top, like the Sounders. Yep. New England coming over on a weird time. You know, I again, yep. I, I believe that was a throwaway game. But LAFC schedule has not been that easy that early no. on, and we've sort we'll of see. been proving that we can play against anyone at any time, anywhere. That's right. Also, yeah, we also have CCL. Yeah. We played one of the we played the toughest non-Mexican team in CCL and took care of business and then we flew back here took care of business and uh you know sp speaking of flying back i'm sure we'll have something to say about that coming up as well oh yeah we will this is the scores for over saturday i thought that was pretty cool man mm -hmm. uh like i said a lot of actions um the team that surprised me the most um and i got it and the reason we're going to talk about it is austin in colorado um mm -hmm. that's our next opponent uh, we're going to get into the whole Colorado thing, but golly, bro, they are not great. And so we yeah. should be able to win this game. Even going into altitude, we should be able to go in there and get this game. They are begging for goals, bro. They are yeah. begging for goals. Um, this team just cannot get it together. Did either one of you have a chance to watch uh, yes. the – Oh, yeah. Okay, so what did you think about that game? Um, Austin's got some issues. And Austin has issues. And we, we, we are not here to talk Austin. And we, there's a really good podcast out there. We actually love to have an Austin person to talk about what's going on there. But they, they have problems in the set plays. I believe the goal was off a of set play. And who other than Kevin Cabral, the G, the former G, to score for them and give them 
the tie at Q2 in front of their fans. Miserable season. Talk about expectations being crushed, you know, that early into the season. So I, I would love to get the understanding of what's going on in Austin from an Austin insider, but it does not look good. doesn't mean that they cannot turn it around, but I feel reluctance from making big moves now because there's so much invested into Josh Wolf and they already lost Reyna into that big BS that happened. So that it's a, it's a, it's basically a, a boat without a captain, right? So they, we actually need one of those memes. I'm your captain now, you know, someone needs to step the fuck up other than mini wolf, right? Which just seems the only thing that's going right for them. And the last thing I'll say about this game and, and we can break it down. It's Colorado, right? It's Colorado. We should be really taking care of business there. And if Kevin Cabral comes here and score a goal, I'm just going to be upset. That's all I'm going to say because we feel like when he when he went to Colorado, it was just to rot and just not play against LAFC and do anything against LAFC. But that's a player that always finds success against us. So he if we are going to break us. that game, I wonder how much he's going to have an impact. Probably he's going to start. Uh, Eric, where are you at on the color, how Colorado and yeah. Austin – Colorado is just they're just a bad team this year you know they were a kind of a bad team last year the year before they they won the west on a lot of solid veteran veterans on that team and and proceeded to pretty much get rid of them all we were obviously the benefactor of Kellen Acosta coming here Mark Anthony Kay actually had a pretty good season there they dished him off to Toronto and they really didn't replace them with anybody anybody decent they kind of kind of play the same thing you know it's a the strategy almost seems like a very poor man's Minnesota where, you know, they, they just try to get you on some counterattacks and get you on set pieces, except they're just not good at it like Minnesota is, which is how they've gotten to where they are. And so that that whole game, I mean, and Austin, as we just said, you know, it's measuring them as drawing there is, is you know, as almost looking at this Colorado probably should have won that game because Austin is just such a mess right now. And it's, uh, you know, their, their, def- their defense is is not there. Their midfield is marginal in there and their attack, you know, they got a lot of dead weight in their contracts over there too, especially with Rigonias, they're going to find out. And, uh, I, I see a lot of LAFC 2020 in Austin. I do too. Oh. Yep. You, 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 took my, you took my line, man. You took my line. I was going to ah. say they are, they, they are 100% like 2022, searching for the identity as we were. We were Vela FC at that point. Um, they are Darussi FC. Like it, it just happens, right? These guys came in hot. They were the person that we put everything on and um, don't have enough people around Darussi that he's able to be Darussi now. Because we all know, how do you stop Austin? You stop Darussi and make everybody else work. And yeah. that's what they did with Vela. And and it's, it's very much, yeah, I'm with you, Eric. Um, it's crazy. Zardes, what a weird pickup for them, too, with that ambition. I, yeah. I'll, See, I I'll thought I'll it was going to be good. I'll ask C-2020, Bradley Wright Phillips, right? We picked up veterans. Uh, what's been the, the kid that went to Houston? We were picking up these veterans that didn't get the and he still was Bell I thought it was going to be good. I thought it was going to be good. Okay, so uh, let's move on to LAFC. LAFC is now 3-0-1 on the season for 10 points. Uh, LAFC has scored two or more goals in all three of its home games in, L- in, L- in MLS this, year, this season. Um, we are now the fifth uh, highest scoring team so far. 
so look, LAFC, they are scoring, right? We're getting in there, but we could be scoring more. Okay, uh, we're going to get into some of the scoring more right now, but let's just go on and show what the lineup was. Buke was in there for um, uh, for our man Bawanga. Uh, of course, Hollingshead was back and Kalini was in there. And then Tillman. Tillman got the start again. And we're going to talk a little bit about Tillman now. Tillman has just came, come in and he is flat out firing on all cylinders. He gets a goal, I believe it was at the... Um, I think at the two minute, 14 second, which um, that's pretty fast. That's pretty fast, right? Uh, so what, what do y'all think about the way that uh, Tillman is starting right now, Eric? I mean, Tillman is playing so good that you you want, you know, you have to ask the question, if it's going to be Tillman or if it's going to be Sifu, who would you take? And I think right now it's debatable. But I also think that, Sifu is at a lower lower stage of what he can do. I think he's kind of in a, a bit of a slump because Sifu is just a fantastic player. And a lot of what he does also is what he does off the ball, what he does in the press, you know, which is very hard to measure, much like we said last year about Acosta, you know. And if, if, his, if his name's not really mentioned that much, like, you know, it's nobody talks about an attack against us and said, oh, Sifuentes didn't take care of it. Like, that is something that never gets said, which... We also haven't said that about Tillman either. So, you know, I think Sifu has that physicality. You know, he's just he's just physically better, and he has so many skills that if he starts putting it together and gets hot, it's not going to be a question. But if Sifu doesn't get hot, Tillman is just he. It, it's kind of like hard hard to pull that guy right now. It's a great problem to have. No, yeah. So, uh, so, so Tillman has now mm -hmm. scored in his last two games. He joins mm -hmm. Vela and Bawanga as being the only players that have more than one goal on the team right now. What does that tell you about this guy? Not a lot because the sample size is too small. Sorry, I'm a that's, still petition by too nature, small. and I've seen great glimpses of a guy that fits our system, came from the right places. It's it's got amazing ability to progress with the ball and with uh, his passing but really really he's always vertical and I think that's what we really like about him he's always thinking vertically and being aggressive which his predecessor and I put him more on a comparison with Latif Blessing because that's who he really replaced he is crushing what Latif used to do for us and we still need Sifu to come in whenever he will come in and give his minutes and be the superstar that he can be scoring off corner kicks, doing some of the dirty work on the defense, having more touches than anyone else, and still chasing guys around. That's Sifu. It's the dirty work that he's done over and over. But he's not making us look amazing. I'm sorry, Sifu is not making us look amazing until when is. In two games now, he looked really good, and I cannot put anything against him. He's been a superstar in the midfield. Again, another John Thornton move that worked shipping blessing making blessing happy in the east coast fitting a good system being part of that now and, and and having a chance to do his his work there because he's a better fit there but now we have a guy that is true to a player can contribute on this side of the ball and still can be a decent defender right and that's the question that i'm still sort of on the fence with tim tillman does he provide enough defensive coverage in a three uh, part midfield or does he put too much on his fullbacks to to cover all right, let's uh, let's watch these highlights. 
tell you what, we saw a lovely bit of skill from Opoku as well, didn't we? To just sidestep the defender. Poor play out of the back here from Paz. And a chance to go for goal again! And no mistake on this one! A super hit from a man very much in form. And, and the reason why I mentioned they need to find a way to get Obreon in the game, as it stands, he has the least amount of touches on the pitch. Four touches so far. He's going for yep. it. On the yellow taken back, it is going to be a straight red for Tomasi. The right back is off, and a long road ahead now for Dallas. I'm not sure how some people would feel about your top scorer being that far away from goal on a set-piece opportunity. Free kick delivered in, flick header from Jimenez, bucket a second chance, it's in! Run forward from midfield, Vela goes down, the referee's taking a look. That's going to be given straight away, as soon as he yep. saw that angle, that's all he needed to see. And the tee against Paz, Vela, off the crossbar and away! Cross in Paz, flaps at it, Bawanga, might have time to steady himself here, whips over back and it's in! So much power on the head from Bawanga! And of course, you know, we have the legend now. I'm calling him the legend. He's my legend. Uh, Denny Bawanga come in and, and literally just uh, show what he does. I mean, this dude flew 13 hours, 13 hours, right, from Turkey to get here. He lands at 528. He gets to the state, he leaves straight from LAX, straight to BMO Stadium, and gets there, I think they said it, like 5.15, or 6.15. It's five minutes before the team meeting, looks at them and says, I want to play. Bro, this is incredible. So then Dolo goes into the interview, and they're like, what do you think about this? He goes, he looks at me and tells me how much he loves this club, and that he wanted to be here, and he wanted to play. And then they asked Denis, why would you do that? He goes, I slept 10 hours. I don't need no more sleep. He slept 10 hours on the plane so he could get here and That's do good. what he does. This point. is what Justin tweeted it. A lot of people are put, this is really what legends are made of. This is what clubs say, hey, look, we want you to be this guy. We want you to come here and be this guy. You know what I mean? None of this, oh, yeah, I'll just come there and, 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 and try to be passed on. No, I want to come there and I want to win stuff. I want to continually win, and I'm here to do that. And I think that's something amazing about Denis Boanga. He is one of he's one of my favorite. Y'all know I was amping him before we even got to see oh, yeah. him play. Number one fan right there, Nick. You're the number and one. Boanga he fan. comes out and does some stuff like this. It just I don't get I don't get names on the jerseys, dude. But I tell you what, there's two I've really really. Kalini and Bowanga, like I want their kids. It's I I do, uh, but I got to hear what you guys okay. think about uh, about Denise doing this. I again, for me, this is a big deal. This is everything that I, as a supporter of this club, love seeing. Uh, John did a great job with him. Celso, what do you see in this? Um, first of all, I was one of the people that thought he was a ball hawk and thought he was going to come here and just dribble his way into this league and be another one of those guys, right? I won't, won't name names, but that's what I thought and I was wrong. He is a very good finisher and he's extremely healthy. He's very fit, okay? So to, for a guy, at, and he's at the highest probably point of his career fit-wise, fit right? He might've played in a bigger, bigger team and bigger situations, but to me, 
this man is at the height of his fitness project, if you call his body that. So he's, he's, he's humming at all cylinders while playing for us. Kudos to us. We're a part of that success. Ever since he's arrived here, okay, he's been doing big things for us. He's had two big, two games to adjust. And then he went to Portland, if you recall, and won us the Supporter Shield at Portland. And ever since he's been, for the most part, scoring major goals for us and has become a point of reference in this attack. So there's two questions here. Are we now Boanga FC, right? And has this man supplemented, I'm not gonna talk about Carlos Vela, supplemented Diego Rossi as the number one attacker, not named Carlos Vela, that LAFC has ever had? Because ever since he's arrived here, you know, and again, everybody say Chicho Arango, Chicho Arango. But Chicho's gone, right? He was kind of like this loner. This guy, right, if we can keep him, seems that he can really be more than Diego Rossi. What do you guys think? He loves it here. Yeah. His press conference yesterday, he said he lo he loves it here, bro. He loves the fans. He loves it here. He loves the culture. And he is here to win multiple games, uh, multiple multiple um, cups. That is exactly his words. They asked him why he would do that. He didn't have to. And he goes, yeah, I did. Yeah, I did. Eric, what does that say to you, man? It's big game Buanga, man. That's what we were calling him after that uh, when we clinched the CCL. Like, his he scores big goals. And, you know, that's what I, I seem to say it every week, that, that the team that wants to win is the team that wants to win the most. Like, that's the team that's going to win. And Buanga, if you get off a 13-hour flight, you sleep for 10 hours, which I think is impossible. Like, I have trouble sleeping for three hours on a flight even long ones but yeah you're gonna do that i mean that's some zen right there and you're gonna show up you're gonna get off and you're gonna want to come in and it's it's not just wanting to come in and play because of course every player is gonna could be like that i mean from what i understand he spoke with gabon that he was only gonna play one game so he said okay i'm gonna play this one game and i'll bounce back to my club team and they yep. they said okay that's cool so he yep. comes back to the club team, which already is above and beyond. How many players do we have that have left that would have taken that opportunity to go see their family, to go oh, like do a couple things before they come back? Not not Denny. Denny came straight back, and then he comes in, and not only does he come in, he plays like an absolute savage, and then gets the winner. Like Denny, yes. Denny put did his part to get us two points. When, you know, that's pure extra credit. Nobody expected that guy to come back and step on the field. And he does it and gives us the points. Like, I mean, absolute savage. He's in his prime. Uh, if he's trying to make a case that he's going to stay here for another four years and retire in black and gold or longer than that, he's making his case, man. And I, I would be Easy. fully behind that. Easy, oh, I, was, I, would, I would so be behind that. But let me tell you how this is so off the... The admin forgot to even put him as a sub. They didn't even write it at <laughs> the bottom. That's probably a late, very late decision. Do you decision. understand? Like, yo, that's how dope this dude is. He, he will like, be moved, no, though, right? Bro. You guys understand that he will likely be moved with this likely yes, hood of success. He will, likely, he will be moved will within like, 12 to 18 months to back to Europe. He will likely be moved. Celso, stop it. We don't want it's that the progression to of a developing league yep. like yep. the Brazilian yep. and the bro. Major League Soccer League. Look, we cannot afford big dollars by some of the three leagues if he gets an offer. And we should be happy if we get to get this guy to a Barcelona-type club. I'm not saying he's going to go there. but 
No, I get what you're saying. He, he's in his prime, though. That's the difference with Buanga. Is Buanga Buanga is a man in his physical prime. He's not a 20, 21, 22 year old kid. You know, he's yeah. he's 27, 28. There's a price there. And so okay. you're 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 12 to 18 months. He's okay. going to be 29, close to 30. Okay. Yeah, that's Here, true, man. Maybe we have him All for right. a long time. You never All right. know. You ready? You yep. ready for this one? Does he take over for the PKs? Does he or should he? I mean, <laughs> well, listen, listen. So this is going to be my That's look. We question. just even got a comment about it. And yeah. I'm being for real, man. Look, th this is where I want to go with this. OK, and I'm not knocking Vela. We're not knocking Vela. Vela has put in a lot of work and helped LAFC get to where we are. And we could have not done this without Vela. There's no ands if buts about that. Um, but however, Vela is getting older. His movement is nowhere near at the speed to be able to keep up with Bawanga and Opoku up top, right? So we've noticed that he's more, he's even deeper now getting the ball to move it forward. He got, he got the assist for Bawanga, right? In that goal that he, he got. So he got that off of him, uh, Vela. We know Vela has been in the top, uh, for the club and assist forever. And we've seen last year, he did a lot more of that than he did, uh, score goals. Is it time that he starts letting someone like Bawanga take the PKs and let them just stack them goals? Because truthfully, Vela has been struggling, guys, to get the ball in the net. He has one goal. He um he he is he has missed uh, five setters in front, and then he missed a PK uh, yesterday. So it's, he's struggling right now to get it in the back of the net, and it just seems like let's take that stress off of him. I know it would be good just to get in the back of the net. Let's just take the stress off of you, and let's share the wealth a little bit. Eric? I mean, players can run hot and cold, and Vela certainly in his long professional career has had periods where he runs hot and cold. And, you know, I think there always comes a time where the captain needs to pass the torch. Is this that time? I'm not so sure. You know, um, with penalty kicks, I mean, that's the captain is the heart and soul of your team. And part of Vela's legacy is how he deals with these next couple right. years of his career. You know, I think that's right. if he recognized for the good of the team that let's less, less hand it over to Boanga for a bit or whoever, somebody else, Ilya Sanchez, obviously, is also very clutch at PKs. But whoever mm -hmm. it is, you know, it's the question should should come, is Vela the right guy to take it? And I think your captain, if he's the guy that wants to take it, and he's kind of the leader of the team, you kind of need to go with that, and you're going to have to live with the lower percentage. Sometimes, in the end, it's the best It's the best move. But I definitely think there's a valid debate on should Vela or Boanga take the PKs. No, that's fair. And I, I'm, I'm fair with that. Uh, Celso, where are you at? And I just want to read this real quick because this is sort of true. If, if Boanga is chasing the golden boot, then he should be the one taking the PKs. Uh, answer that one and then go on with the rest of your... Yes, uh, it's a team decision. I believe they should all do what's best for the team. And if at practice, they believe, if they believe that Boanga is the better taker, he should do so because that would basically gives us more wins. Bella had a miss. We don't know if it's one miss within 10 or if it's one miss within three. And, and then he misses again. That's the key. Penalty kickers will miss. Chicharito missed two penalties in a row. Suddenly... Ricky, uh, I can't say people's names, people's name, but Peach is started taking the, you know, the, the PK. So you, you got to do it as a team and you have to have support from everybody in the locker room that that's the best decision for your team because someone is better than you at the moment. 
It's not that you're bad at it. It's just let's give this guy a chance to flourish. And two point, Julius Sanchez. There's a lot of guys there that could Ryan Ryan Hollings had a lot of guys there. They're specialists in penalty kick. Vela took that thing off. Uh, I'm looking at his stats on SofaScore just to see where he is. He's done well passing the ball, but his finishing Great. off the mark. Three big uh, misses per sofa score just on Major League Soccer. But he gave us the big goal against Alajuelense, being once again captain, Captain Ray, Captain King, you know. So uh, you got to have the man there. And he's going to put his goals and his assists in the mark because he's got that talent. Yeah, they're yeah, going to come. It's true. And uh, again, I'm not coming down on Vela. Team decision. Vela, Vela is our guy. He's always going to be our guy. Uh, Vela will leave here with uh, respect of every LAFC person because he came in and did what he said he was going to do. And I'm not saying Vela needs to move over. I'm not doing that. I'm just saying, or I'm saying he needs to move over maybe on the PKs and let Bawanga have it to chase his golden boot because he isn't going to score the goal. He's going to help us get the ball where we need it to go. And I believe that I believe that he will do that. Uh, talking a little bit about this game, it was a 2-1 victory for LAFC. Uh, they uh, Dallas was down uh, to 10 man. Um, but when you look at the stats, also it is pretty crazy, man. Uh, it, again, it was sort of like the game that we had against uh, – against the Sounders, mm -hmm. you know, it was really a back and forth game, uh, except it for was. this, and we had a little bit more of the possession at 58% compared to their 42%. Uh, the, the thing that shocked me though, is that we had a total of 21 shots and they had seven yeah. with only shots off target was 10 of ours, but we only had six on target out of 21. And out of their seven, they had three. That is not great. The great part about that is that we're taking the shots but not being on target before six goals is just a little bit mind blowing, wouldn't you say? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It could have sued Dallas. They played very good defensive schema, and their coaches really uh, adjusted. Luchi Gonzalez adjusted the team to play in a way that really facilitated counter striking. And we became more aggressive, trying to chase second goal, got caught, and missed too many chances. Ultimately, a lot of shots inside the box. They blocked quite a few of those shots, and we just were not making our chances. We have to make our chances in order to win games. And we got away with one, and they had a, they had one in them, and they could have had another. But, you know, LAFC at home, is tough. we're tough to beat, especially yeah, with 10 men. Beat. If they had 11, oh, my gee. Uh, I think that, that, go, that game goes 2-2, and they, they're coming, right? So... Uh, watch out for that at Dallas game. They're going to be hungry. Sabi Biaga getting his 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 ring. That was pretty cool. But it was a well-matched game. But it seems like we kind of made made the game look harder than it really should have been. We right. lost control of the game. Yeah, That's Eric, I mean, 21 shots, you know, but 12 of them inside the box. This is the part that I think is great, though. Nine outside the box. And the reason I say that is because we know LAFC has never really shoot outside the box. Now we're starting to see guys take the shots outside the box, Eric. I mean, this is what we've been asking for. This, this team is starting to become a well-rounded team. Yeah, it's it, it's just putting those shots away, you know, and that's mm -hmm. that's kind of been our Achilles heel here this whole season. Luckily, the the team just just seems like they're going to be unstoppable again this year. So even with all of these kind of missed sitters, we're still able to 
come out of games with three points. You know, Seattle was the same thing. Like we we had the opportunity to put that game away and take three points, and we just didn't. And it was kind of the same thing. A lot of those misses also were from inside the box, and you know, some of those misses almost looked harder than making the goal. You know, so these little things happen, but. Give credit to Dallas. Dallas, uh, in my opinion, is going to be a team that's making the playoffs this year. I think they're going to be one of the better teams in the West. And even Mm -hmm. with 10 men down, you saw how they tightened up and they played us. They played us hard, and they're going to be a hard team to play. And so we we took care of things. It would be nicer to see us take care of it a little better than we did. But at the end of the day, we got the three points. And um, I was talking with Celso a little bit also about the, the bare minimum effort to beat a team. You know, it's... If, if every game is a very close game, but you barely come out of it, you know, you're you're kind of expending just enough effort to beat it, but you're not putting in effort to, like, overkill it and wearing yourself out. So it's I, I may change my mind on this whole idea, but it, it was one that we were talking about. Well, no, let's talk about this. Because I, I have something I want to say. I, I sort of see where you're going at. Like, I hate to bring up Bob, but with Bob, it was every game was go all out. And, you know, again, he would run Vela and and Atuesta and Rossi until they just didn't have anything left. And it seems with Dolo, games are a little bit closer and games are a little bit more back and forth. Like with Bob, we would see that we would have 80% possession. You know what I mean? And I'm noticing when I'm looking here is it really is a lot more even. We'll let them have the ball because we want to play defense and we want to sort of drag them out and make them tire within the second half because we know he's a master in the second half and he changes stuff and he comes out and makes his team a different team. But you look at it and you're like, wow, dude, the numbers are really close. Like our duels won, we're doing well. Our long passes were super accurate. You know, like all these things are so much more better now because we are a real a well-rounded team and you have midfield guys that you know their passes are great and they'll hold on to the ball but they're okay with giving it away and playing hardcore defense and you even see that with Vela he's out there playing defense he's pressing hard he's going after him and I just think that's the difference you know what I mean like it's it's um it's been a been really good to watch this dolo ball I sort of to be honest I like it you know what I mean like I sort of like the way he plays um, it is, it's a, it's a nice fluidity to it. You know what I mean? And, uh, yeah, it's, um, it's caught me off guard a little bit. <laughs> he has, he has guys that will fly 13 hours back and land three hours before <laughs> and want to come on the field. Like nobody would do that for Bob. Sometimes, sometimes I would think with Bob, one of his philosophies would be like the beatings will continue until morale improves. Like I remember games where if a guy was having a bad game, it seems like Bob, instead of taking him out, would just have them pass to them more so they can keep taking bad shots. And sometimes I I felt like if a player was kind of, uh, you know, having an area of difficulty, that the solution would be to make them do more of that until they figure it out. And a lot of times yeah. I think it just didn't work. And it, it seemed mentally that's a big difference with how Dolo plays. He doesn't force it. Look, he said Let's... something at the presser, right, real quick, which was yep. – when you have international breaks and they take a bunch of your players or they all are hurt and, and on top of it, it, it limits your ability to change games outcomes with your subs. He said that it limits your ability to change games outcomes with your subs. That told me what this guy's about. You go, you try something and then you make a change. And we know, we know we've been really good at the second half adjustments, but if six of your guys are missing, then you cannot do that. 
Bob Bradley did not have the depth, but he also did not have the the knowledge on that part of the of, of being a coach, which is bring subs at positions that matter. That and, and, and again, now you're going to a little bit of roster construction, and you see the problems that he had here and is having in Toronto. So it, it's it's all connected, but it starts with roster construction based on that connectivity with the front office, right? Without that, it's all, it's just not going to work. And we saw yep. that in 2020 and 2021. So let's talk a little bit about the back line. Um, as I said, we've seen uh, Palencia and uh, Hollingshead. Now Hollingshead was back in, so Palencia went over where Palacios was. You've seen Kalini in there. Um, what, did, what did you guys think about the back line? Uh, Celso. Oh, yeah, I'll go first. Serhi is the one I'll point out. I liked him playing on the left side of the field. Interesting question, what, who was going to play left? Because I know Ryan could play left as well. He went with Serhi At on the left. At one point, they did switch. And they did switch. I, I did yeah. not notice that, um, but good good call out, good call out. And I don't know who was more, let's just reframe the question. I don't know who was more effective in which side, but the fact that we have these guys that can play essentially dual positions and not bother at all by it, you know, like that is what you want. And we've heard about this and it's a consequence of the restri restrictions that we have within our rosters. So Paulo Football Club just signed their seventh right back. It's a joke. It's a joke, but they have seven right backs in their roster because there's no limitation. You can do whatever you want over there. It doesn't fail. You move on. Here, you can't do that. So you need guys that can be Swiss Army knives, and we have two of them. I love about that. I'll let you guys comment on the center backs. Um, Eric, go ahead, buddy. Yeah, yeah. I'm. Uh, well, definitely want to give a shout-out to Hollingshead for coming back so early. We all thought with him going out yes. that other game that he was going to be out for like a month, but here he is right back, a la Denny Buanga, like showing up before anybody thought he had any business to show up. And he played hard. Uh one thing, some the way Hollings had attacks, he had a couple attacks where he dribbled by a couple guys and put himself in a very dangerous spots. And Hollingshead's ability to go past defenders as a fullback is something that really, really gives us a lot more possibility. Palencia, tough guy. I mean, that guy can take an elbow to the face like a champ and get guys sent off. That was beautiful. Chiellini on the back line with the center backs. I mean... What, what more can you say? You, you can kind of see in that game in Dallas with with quick guys up front, we're trying to exploit, you know, his lack of pace. And that that is something that's going to be difficult with Chiellini. And I think we're going to see more teams doing this like Dallas who have it that, that can throw fast guys up there and start trying to burn them in the back, you know. Murillo mm -hmm. held on pretty good with that. Aaron Long came in. Uh, we end up giving up a goal on a set piece and and came back. But you know, I, I thought with our center backs, it wasn't it wasn't their best game that they've had. But they've also had some very good games. So what we have to compare them with does get tough. So yeah, um, Kalini, that that was definitely not Kalini's best game that he had with LAFC. That's for sure. He got he did get out of caught out of position at one time for sure. Um, but Kalini out there with those long ball pass accuracy is just something of 
of fine art. You know, it's like that. It's like that nice bottle of wine that you save and you put aside, uh, because you always know that you want to make sure you remember that one. Um, and 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 that's what Collini does from the back with those buttery, nice, beautiful crosses up top. I I, I love watching them. They're are something that I just really enjoy. Um, but uh, yeah, man, I I tell you what, Palencia. I think this dude is awesome. I really do. It is no surprise that, of course, him and Bawanga are, are boys. They have played at the same club in Ligon. Um, but as Eric said, he took that to the face. He got up. He don't care. He is a little bit of a bulldog out there, right? Like, it's something that's really awesome to watch. Um, and it's going to put Dolo into another position position like who do how does he not play this kid because as you just said eric you can't sit hollingshead hollingshead is awesome too and then what you're gonna sit uh, palacios so this is a good option to be able to have to rotate guys around um i tell you uh uh, I was surprised to see Hollingshead in the lineup. I was surprised to see how well he was out there moving, although he did put a tweet out saying, hey, guys, I'm okay. I'm going to be back. Um, you didn't know how he was going to be able to play, but he was out there running hard. Like that one run where he literally was beat everybody up up to the top of the pitch, like waiting to cross it over and sort of looking like, where are you? <laughs> you know, yeah. like – that, yeah. that shouldn't be happening, yeah. uh, but but it does because he, he was out there moving quick, and so that's big ups to Hollingshead for coming and doing that, and I just thought that that was, that was fantastic. Um, but I did not mind this back line, guys. I really didn't. I, I sort of, dare I say, I sort of liked it, you know? I sort of liked it a lot. Yeah. We have we have six solid guys that can play in the back. We have four solid guys who can play in the midfield, and we have four solid guys up front. And this is going to get tested again. You know, we're in. We kind of got this little two week break for our team. I say break because it's one game a week, and with the way the schedule is, only having one game in a week is basically like a vacation at this point. But we had five games in the span of fifteen days. Coming up, we're going to have five games in the span of sixteen days. So essentially. Every, all of everybody's legs, everybody's battery is about to get tested again as we get thrown through another grinder. Where you know, with Vancouver on two legs, who I think is going to be a much tougher opponent than Alajalenzi was, and uh, and some other games thrown in there, including the uh, the reschedule of El Tráfico at the very end. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, people are saying that that sort of feels like a trap game for us now. So, so I mean, I know this is a far away, but since Eric brought it up, how, how does that game sort of feel for you now in July Which 4th? Which one? Uh, the the, the uh, Traffico reschedule on July 4th. Yeah, the Traffico reschedule. Game? I don't know if it's a trap game. It's a game in July in the middle of the week I, we, with us probably playing, playing a rotated lineup. But – I mean, there's not going to be any trap about it. It's, I'm just going to comment because it's relevant. It, it, I, you just hope everybody's healthy. You don't know what people are going to look like three months from now. We've been so lucky, and I'm jinxing ourselves here by saying that everyone is healthy at this point. Teams are having six, seven men out because of injury, and we basically have nobody. We had Ryan Hollis, which we thought was something serious. We had something going on. Kelly Nacosta, he's back in the lineup. I thought he's... I thought his, his hamstring had been blown up for six weeks. I was already ready to, like, give up. Yeah, you were. But, yeah. you know, it, it, we have death. I mean, we have the privilege of bringing a, uh, an Aaron Love, you know, U.S. men's national team guy 
off our bench to, to relieve uh, Murillo. You know, like two weeks and two years ago, it was not the case. So Bob Bradley did not have Aaron Long to bring in off the bench. But he probably didn't want Aaron Long. So it's, it's, it was his own fault. Sorry to bring him again. But yeah, I'm very happy with everything. I think getting the, the three points here was something we got away with. It was ugly, we're not, but uh, you know, some of them are going to be like that. And uh, you know, to your point about Hollings had, they're very different players. When it's very tall, it contributes a lot in our corner kick strategy. He's kind of the last man coming in. You see them; they do these time uh, runs. Looks like a football team developing. So you're you're going to see Hollings had have a, a a role in this team. No, you're not going to take Diego Palacios out of the lineup. You're not going to do that. That That no. is bad news. So no. they're going to have to rotate. We knew about that. And we hope that they're healthy. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. I mean, I think that's uh, the position that's going to come to is Palacio is going to keep his position. Hollingshead and Palencia are going to have to rotate. Um, but it's going to be real hard to just sit yeah. Palencia with the way that he plays. And how do you do it with Hollingshead? Because he's been such a beast for us. Um, again, so let's go back to Colorado at LAFC. Uh, this is going to be an altitude. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that's all that they have going for them. I don't like I said. I've watched. I'm, I try. Um, I've watched more games in MLS, as I said at the very beginning of the show, than I have ever had before. Uh, and I'm trying to watch a lot of games, especially ones that we are going to play. And I tell you, man, I am not impressed with Colorado at all. Um, I see us even in um, the altitude walking away 3-0, 2-0, They just don't have a score. They don't have a person that's put it in the back of the net. So that's my score prediction. I want to get your guys. Eric, what's your, what's your score prediction? I'm, you know, uh, un unlike last week, I'm, I'm going to have a less rosy prediction than you, Nick. I'm going to say oh, – I'm going to say we're going to come out of this with a 1-0 because we're going to hold off Colorado's attack. But what you have to remember is on Wednesday at 7 p.m., we are going to be traveling to Vancouver on our first leg of the CONCACAF Champions League. So I expect to see... Um, not not too much rotation, but I but I think a lot of we're going to see a lot of load management on this game, and we're I think we're going to see all five subs get used. So okay. I'm hopeful our first team can kind of put up a one zero. We can sub some guys out to keep their legs fresh for Wednesday, and we can our back line is just going to keep it solid enough that we walk out of there with a with a shutout. Right. Uh, maybe I can take back my. Um... <laughs> I didn't think about that. Damn it, Nick. You blew it again. Celso, let me hear yours. Uh, okay. Trap game. No, it's not a trap game. It's playing at Colorado, and we, we struggled to play in altitude. We got asses kicked last year, and we still won everything. So don't watch and think that because they're this type of team, we're going to go in there and do what we want with them. It's Major League Soccer on the road with another opponent on the back of your head. Trap game. No, it's expected that we actually lose this game. If we come out of a win or a sneaky tie, I'm going to be really happy. I will call it a sneaky tie. A 1-1 dirty sloppy goal at the end there by anyone. But Hollingshead. Like, <laughs> yeah, like Hollingshead or someone. Like none of our attackers. Everyone is out on the bench. We're losing 1-0 and Dole calls everybody out and we're suddenly playing, finally playing Julian Gaines and company. But it's not going to happen, right? But I really have zero ambition that we will go there and do a great game when we have so much going on on Wednesday. 
with the trip to Canada. It's going to be interesting what they do. Do they go straight to Canada and plan there? They go back to LA and then go to Canada, probably what they're going to do, right? But it's a lot of traveling, very few days, and suddenly you have conquer champions, man. That's all it is about, you know? All right, I'm being called out. I'm being called out. And I get it, guys. I'm just over-optimistic, Right, it's not that I'm uh, like I'm. I'm I can I'm see it. Really I can see your score winning. I can I'm see not underestimating them. I'm not underestimating them. Now, what I did do is, I might have forgot that we were flying and gonna go play another game. Yes, that is that my is, fault. So I might have overshot a little bit, but because <laughs> I'm such a stubborn piece of shit asshole, I'm not gonna change it. I'm still gonna say that we're gonna shut them out. And we're gonna win. Hey, we we took New England behind the woodshed in between games and just smashed yeah. them 4-0, you know? Like, Look, LFC time, is the Vegas favorite to win this game. If you go through the lines for every, we did a little gambling here, just a little bit, LFC is one of the very few road favorites this week. So if you're going to gamble anybody, you're going to take LFC. Are you? Take you're going to go on the road. You're going to go on the road, but the odds are good. He pays, he pays you good, right? But you got to go on the road and play at Colorado here. Just don't have a good record there. Look, the, a lot of people thinking and probably not playing with their minds in this game. Dola saying it's just another game, right? I think just this another. spells trouble for us. Um, yeah, so I, I'm gonna keep it like that. I'm probably overshooting it, but you know what? I feel like I've been undershooting this year a little bit. You know, in the very first episode, I said, "Oh, we're gonna win," and I only said we we're gonna lose. What I say, Eric? Two games. I said we lose two games out of the whole year. All year. Eric was like, "What the hell's wrong with you, Nick?" You he still got a cushion. You still got a nice cushion there. <laughs> and I didn't change it. I kept to it. My, what's wrong with me? But I'm gonna say it this one too, man. You know what, LA? Uh, this team has done a lot for me, and I'm very thankful. And I tell you what, it's it's fun to watch uh, mm -hmm. what they are doing. It's exciting to watch this team play. Um, and and to be fair, it's, it's fun to watch the coaches. Like when the, like Apple does a lot of showing the coaches and them talking and stuff, and it's pretty amazing to watch Dolo and them over on the side chatting. And, and, and you know, they're really in it together. This isn't a one-man show. This is a team effort, and it's something that I just find really endearing about how Dolo is, yes. is running this camp. It's, it's incredible. You know, not a lot of coaches do that, and I think that's because he's a player's coach. And, um, you know, I think, that's, I think it's something that really works. Uh, last thing I do have to say, we got this in which is pretty uh, awesome. I hope you all signed up and got your membership. This thing is amazing. Um, on the other side, you have this. So thank you to the 3252. I uh, got mine already. And then you got the little pen, which is also nice. awesome with the star and the 3252. And um, yeah, man, you know, look, Beautiful. all day, every day, LA is black and gold. And we do appreciate all of you supporting the voices of the black and gold and coming here during a U.S. men's national game and watching our show live. We yep. appreciate that for all of you that have joined us. Thank you so much. Um, but looking forward to this win, guys. Thank you for being here with me. L.A. is black and gold. And we will talk to you next Monday. Thank you.